Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. Hey, six movies in, Spider-Man got his best movie finally. Let's argue about it a little bit. Along the way, you'll get spoilers for all the Spider-Man movies, as well as Superman and Batman Returns. Tonight is a very special night, for one specific reason. The reason in, that I have in mind is that it is the return of classic You Hate Movies Trinity. <laughs> you Hate Movies Classic. <laughs> you Hate Movies Classic. Some might say that this is a weakness or, you know, like a lesser episode because we couldn't get other people to show up. <laughs> but I say it's uh, myself, Josh, Patrick, and Tyler on the show um, staying true. If you recall, I'd like to take the listener's attention all the way back to Road to Terminator Genesis, oh, yeah. which began strong with like lots of people. T2 was a little less, and then by the time we were doing three, four, and five, it was just the three of us. <laughs> just us. <laughs> just, <laughs> just <laughs> we, we were regretting it. <laughs> episode after episode <laughs> after episode, <laughs> just the three of us. And then by the time we saw Terminator Genesis and actually got back, it was like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you actually issued a, an apology for not liking it. Yeah, I didn't know what else to say. It's like we just—that was the first time we'd ever spent a whole episode just saying, "Is eh, it's not real good, y'all." Yeah. A whole episode just trashing a movie, and then you went, sorry, you know, movies are hard to make. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the movie didn't do well uh, domestically, and I couldn't help but think we had something to do with that. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, and now Cameron said he's going to fix them, so maybe we're contributing to the the rise of good Terminator movies. Oh, so now you think that we're to thank. Of course. For the movies. The movie's going to turn around. If they're good. Yeah. Well, you know, Matt is currently in England as he we is. record Oi. this. Oi? Might. Uh, <laughs> Bethany's at work. Who knows what? She hasn't seen it. Uh, she doesn't care. I thought she yeah, did she see did. it. She did see it. Did she go see it by herself? Yeah. In fact, uh, Patrick, can you text Bethany and get a blurb for Spider-Man? Yeah. Um, you want an official statement? Lots of people haven't seen it. Abby's sitting in the room with us, but she hadn't seen it. And such is her disrespect for both movies and Spider-Man that she doesn't care. She's going to sit here and listen to us talk about it. You haven't want to say anything to defend yourself? Nope, I don't care. <laughs> okay, great. Poor Spider-Man. So, uh, all that to say, guys, did you know there was a new Spider-Man movie? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. I heard it, and then I saw it. You heard that there was one? I heard, I heard someone said there's a new Spider-Man, and I'm like, all right, I'll see it, and then I did. <laughs> Dang, you're so easily convinced, man. <laughs> And this is the. I uh, feel like I feel like we have an obligation. It's a it's a Marvel movie. I, I guess we have to go see it. Oh yeah, because there's going to be a, if nothing else, there's going to be an episode about it. All right. Yeah. Well, they they got us. Yeah. yeah. Marvel wins. Marvel's going to win it for a while, I think. And this was the sixth Spider-Man movie. Seven, if you count Civil War as even slightly a Spider-Man movie. Um, seventh appearance of Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but it, the appearance of Spider-Man. Let me start off with. This, some some controversy. The appearance of Spider-Man in Civil War was better than the rest of the Spider-Man movies. All the rest of the all of them, yeah. including the one we're about to talk about. No, no, no. The, the previous. Oh, yeah, I can agree with that. Actually, I would agree yeah, with that. That's. I think the world seems to think that. <laughs> and I really like those old Spider-Man movies. How do you? How do you think Toby? Ones. How do you think Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield feel? <laughs> probably like dang well I don't know Tobey Maguire feels a little more stable because 
even though he was a part of Spider-Man 3, which seems to be, except for Patrick, universally reviled. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> but people equally, in the same measure that they hate Spider-Man 3, people tend to love Spider-Man 2. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is great. That's with Doc Ock. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best one. Yeah, so at least he was a part of a Spider-Man movie that was one came before, it, you know, mm. it beat out these other guys chronologically. Willem, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, he was all right. It was but awful. angry Franco and Doc Ock, they they were they were more, they were more better. They were, <laughs> they were more, more better. Yeah. Dang. See, that's why there's only three of us. Yeah. We're not on our this A game. This is going to be great. <laughs> that first Spider-Man with Green Goblin was part of the, the beginning of modern superhero movies. Though. That was like one of the very first ones that that's true. brought it back. At so. that point, it was just Spider, I mean, it was just Superman and Batman. And then they said, no, no, let's do Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and the world's and like, like huh, X-Men, what? right? Well, I get X-Men. Yeah. Well, you know, the think about it like this. I always think of the Spider-Man movies as like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies as um, the first truly comic booky movies, comic booky comic book movies that actually felt cinematic and mature. Like the Richard Donner Superman movies feel dated, and I know a lot of people have a tremendous amount of affection for those movies. But With Christopher Reeves. Yeah, but to watch them now, they're like a product of their time, and they don't yeah. feel super comic booky. They feel like no. you know, someone trying to adapt Superman into yeah, a movie. Just felt like, it almost at times felt like a B movie. Yes. Like when he's flying around the world and it's going, time's <laughs> going in reverse, you're thinking, what? Shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't Mystery Science Theater be getting yeah. in on it? And how does that, that effect must have been like groundbreaking? Superman <laughs> flies and he just holds on to Lois Lane's hand and it's like she can fly too. Right. <laughs> like, why isn't she dangling or why doesn't he cradle her or something? Yeah. They fixed that with, you know, Man of Steel. And yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I can agree that the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans were a large improvement from that dynamic. Yeah, because then, you know, the Tim Burton Batman, Super Tim Burton-y. The X Men movies. Tim Burton-y. Yeah, especially Batman Returns is just so over the top. Tim there was Burton. a there was a uh, trivia on the radio station recently. One yeah, of the yeah. questions was, you know, where people call in and have to answer trivia to win. I don't know some dumb. Prize. This still happens. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah, on the radio. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you the station, but I, I it happened. <laughs> the question was, this Danny appeared as. The penguin in a Batman movie, oh, wow. and wow. the guy, the guy couldn't figure it out. I was like, "Are you kidding?" He calls and can't figure it out. Yeah, he, well, he Why calls. Why does he bother calling? They, in? No, they, he calls. Oh, and, and they, they say, "Here the are the question. trivia questions," okay. and he couldn't tell the world what Danny was. Penguin. He missed. He missed Batman. Are you returns, kidding? Apparently, that, that could be one of Devito's most famous roles. Yeah, and scary and weird and timber. Yeah, he bites off a dude's nose. Yeah. How do you not? How does that not stick with you while he's running for mayor? <laughs> Batman Returns, spoiler. Yeah. And then he like kind of uh assaults that woman right after or right before that scene. He's like, uh Oswald Cobblepot from Mayor, let me put this button on you and he's like groping this woman. Mm. I remember as a kid being like, This movie's weird. Yeah. He's we, eating that fish all weird. Should we we <laughs> should do we should do some call in trivia sometime. That'd be That's fun. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm into that. Okay, we'll put Tyler's number up at the end of this episode. <laughs> you can call whenever you want for some trivia. But uh, so Tim Burton, Batman's too Tim Burton-y. Richard Donner, Superman is like, it's something. I know people like that, but who cares? It's weird. And then the X-Men movies, or the, X, the X-Men movie, uh, was cool, but it felt like, we're oh, we're trying to 
ground this in some level. You know, they're in leather suits and instead of their comic booky outfits and it's a little more they swear and Wolverine shoots the bird with his claw and so it felt like they were trying to make it a little more mature and movie like but the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie seemed to embrace the comic bookiness of of it while not being turning into a B movie like the uh, Superman movies right I, I, I could see an argument that the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans were a glimpse into the future of what Marvel has become that you could you could you could could develop a convincing argument and persuade me to believe that that Marvel the cinematic universe was influenced by these movies. I think that's yeah, probably that's, fair. That's super fair. Yeah, because I think we're right, like the we were excited to see Wolverine and X Men, but it was like oh he's got the claws, but they're not going to do the suits because the suits are ridiculous. And then the Spider Man movies, they do the suits and they do the crazy bad guys and they do all the cra- the storylines. It's like very comic booky, right? Yeah, and it's a very colorful world. The humor is intact. It's not like joyless and dark. And I mean, some, you know, comic book movies lend themselves to that. The Batman movies are a great example, or even the you know the recent takes on Wolverine. But well, yeah, uh, Spider Man's a high school kid, so they had Spider Man. Yeah, lighter. he's in he's in high school and he's snarky and funny. And then obviously, by the time you get to uh, the expansion of the Marvel Universe, which started semi-grounded in reality. Iron Man now feels ridiculously r- realistic compared to where we've gone <laughs> since yeah. then. Uh, by the time you get to Avengers and it's full-out interdimensional alien battle, you know. <laughs> right. uh, but it's still colorful and there's humor and it's like, yeah, there's a big green guy and he punches people. and yeah, uh, I, I think that that's a, probably... A a pretty solid case to say that at the very least Spider-Man set a certain tone for what comic book movies could be. We don't have to go super realistic or super dark or, and we don't have to go outrageously silly and uh, bright and goofy. Right. Yeah. So Patrick, as our resident Spider-Man uh, fan, sure. Do you accept that title? Yeah, I like him. How, how would you distill what, what is required for a good Spider-Man film? Like, what what in the comics most defines Spider-Man as a character? That's a good question. High school kid. Yeah, I don't think it has to be a high school kid because we saw. I think there were good Spider-Man movies without him being in high school. No, no, just the comic book, like the the character that is Spider-Man. Oh yeah, so the character of Spider-Man, you know, he's like he wants to do the right thing, but the more he does the right thing, the more he's punished for it. So he's got the constant struggle of. Why am I doing this? But I have to do this. Like, so it's kind of the Tobey Maguire, it's my curse, it's my... Yeah, it's yeah. That's totally it. And he yeah. constantly tries to give it up, but he's called back to it and for the same reasons. If he doesn't do it, people get hurt. And if he does do it, people get hurt. And it's a really interesting you know, character that you have to... like. You don't know what he should do sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, you should put the mask down. Like, no, you need to pick it up. You know. Right, okay. And so, But then he's also a high school kid living in Queens, bit by a spider... Yeah, Our uncle dies. Yeah, he's a high school kid, super smart. So he'd smart. probably be pretty good on his own without the spider bite. But now he's he's wrestling with that too. He could be successful on his own, but now he's got this other thing that's keeping him from a solid career as he gets older. You know? And is he as strong in the comic as in the movies? Yeah, yeah. he gets super strong. He's very strong. Okay, so then my question is, mm-hmm. as the resident Spider-Man well, fan, it's also important the dichotomy between. Peter Parker and Spider-Man, Spider-Man has a certain level of confidence and humor and wit. 
Peter Parker is a nerd and so it's the contrast of personalities, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the superhero thing where he gets to be somebody else when he puts on the mask, and he should okay. be believable as both. Yeah. So then, of these three different interpretations of Spider-Man, which do you feel is the most true to the comics? Just in the character? Yeah, as a high school kid who has all, all the things you identify internal conflicts. Yeah. Uh, well. Well, I guess the uh, the best version of it would be the the Tom Holland one, the new one. But we haven't seen enough of the story because, like, we we saw three movies with Tobey Maguire to see him struggle with that. Uh-huh. Right? We didn't get to see Tom Holland struggle with that that much. His Spider Man. It was yeah, just kind of much. Like, yeah. Uh, we got to see a little bit. He lost his his potential girlfriend because it was, you know, the bad guy's daughter. And they did embody the, the thing that you put so well, that you summarized so well, which is that he wants to do the right thing, but he's punished for it, and yet he's constantly battling with this sense of obligation. That's, he's uh, Sacrifice. It's yeah, his, he has a, a really sh- strong felt need right. to serve and sacrifice, even though he's not only recognized for it, he's often hated yeah, that's true. He is. So the Tobey Maguire, when we see that struggle a lot, he keeps losing his girlfriend and but his in the, friends. The, the Tom Holland version embodied a little bit of it where he recognized that he had the opportunity to walk away, especially yeah. following the, I mean, we're already into heavy spoiler territory here, but with the Michael Keaton confrontation in the car with the vulture, and he has to look this girl in the eye and be like, I have to go. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that that was a that was a cool moment to see him do that constantly and have to like struggle with that. To well, yeah, he's always abandoning the mathletes or whatever. Yeah, no one can trust him <laughs> and the mathletes. Uh, but it was still cool because he's like he. I thought they did a good job painting him as a kid who's just excited. Like he's got the father figure and Iron Man. He's trying to impress, and he's got all this gear he gets to play with, and more than anything he's just excited about it and then realizing after the fact like oh i had to give up all this stuff for it okay so i think my in my opinion i think the the depiction of spider-man in this newest film spider-man homecoming i feel like it's the most convincing high schooler Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the other movies, they're like shaving them between takes because they're like 30-year-olds <laughs> acting like high school people. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you agree then? Like, it's it's just, he, this is the best depiction of Spider-Man. Yeah. All right. This feels the most effortlessly, like, if you have any level of familiarity with the character, I think even if you have familiarity with the character from the movies themselves, it still feels like a more accurate yeah. version of Spider-Man because you could recognize in both of the uh, you know uh, iterations of the franchise, the Tobey Maguire and the uh, Andrew Garfield versions, you recognize certain attributes that are normative for Spider-Man, and you can even see from Tobey Maguire from the Sam Raimi versions to the uh, Mark Webb. Is that who? Yeah, the <laughs> Five Hundred Days of Summer guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that's a great name. I remember laughing seeing his <laughs> name. Yeah. Of course, he has to do Spider-Man. <laughs> from both of their interpretations, you can see. Oh, okay. So they honed in a little more on this one with this one, and they went harder on this aspect. But the Tobey Maguire. Uh, casting was controversial from the beginning because it, it was just kind of like, wait, Seabiscuit is going to be... And then the Tobey Maguire's interpretation of Peter Parker was like, not just nerdy and alienated and then charismatic. It was kind of like strangely 
weird and wormy and almost yeah. stalkery. <laughs> right. Wide eyed and bizarre. Yeah, yeah so they had to. The Spider Man character is that weird tension of awkward and insecure as a high schooler who then puts on a mask and becomes, right, like you were saying, this dual personality. So yeah. he's not. I think that the new one does that way better. Yeah, and it's interesting. You can look at these Spider Men, uh, Spider Men <laughs> from the past. Any like of these actors that. <laughs> Uh, take on these roles they add you know their personality to it right the best yeah. versions of it so Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man and that's he's just being himself it seems like and sarcastic jerk. Chris Pratt is like Star-Lord you're like that's probably how that guy acts mo- most of the time <laughs> uh-huh. and so like you get to see that's probably Tobey Maguire's version of Peter Parker it just was creepy and then Andrew Garfield's <laughs> version of Peter Parker it wasn't bad either but it was just like he was too cool he was, he was like, too cool yeah I liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man I do too, but Tom Holland's version of it seems like the more the most comic book appropriate. He's found that he, he seems to have effortlessly embodied that tension between nerd that we still like. We don't feel like, oh my gosh, he's creepy and weird. Like he's still charming and like cute, for lack of a better word. But then when he puts on the suit, part of that nerdiness is still in there. But he's like hilarious and charismatic and strong personality. Right. Cause Spider-Man is super sarcastic. Yeah. And you get, you finally get that with this Spider-Man, all the jokes. And we get a little bit of his like nerdiness and ta- his self doubt and self depreciation carries over into like the, you know, in the same moments that he's getting beat up and making jokes about it. And he's kind of aware of his limitations, but also a little bit too much gusto. He wants to prove himself. I feel like Tom Holland, it it kind of stepped into that role effortlessly and he disappears yeah. in it. All right, so, Patrick, yeah. how do you feel that they didn't give us a Spider-Man origin story? Oh, I, I love that. You think the world's sick of it? We've already got the two The world is sick stories. of it, yeah. I think it was, it was pretty ballsy to do that because it doesn't feel like you could... They're not willing to do that in any other movies that they introduce a character. There's so much backstory and origin story, even if it's the same one over and over again. But they just... They've even made like a funny thing in Civil War. is like, yeah, something happened to me. And then they're like, all right, whatever. But you can do this. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the way that they sidestepped the origin story in Homecoming felt to me like some really smart writing. Uh, because there was one or two references tops to the the you know the spider bite and the yeah you get you get a brief moment of exposition about his origin story when he's just explaining it to his friend yeah and it made sense in that it didn't feel like it was tacked on like we have to pay lip service to this it felt like the movie was actually uh, respecting the viewer uh, a ton to just be like we know you don't need this again yeah. And we've got another story to tell, and it's inconsequential to our story. So we're, as the audience, I I suspect that even the audience who isn't deeply familiar with the previous movies or the origin story doesn't go, wait, but what happened to him? Because the right. movie just assumes, like, well, this is what you need to know for this story. And right. then it yeah. leads us into that information. Spider-Man has already been a household character for long enough that yeah. people, even if they haven't seen the movie, they've, they've become plenty aware of they the should necessary know about details. It by now. Yeah. And it's, what's interesting is, I don't know if they'll do this, they could even play with that origin story now because we don't really, I mean, we know there was a spider bite, but we don't know anything about an uncle or That's anything true. like that. They ended, the, they ended the movie with Aunt May cussing, so maybe we'll get, <laughs> maybe we'll get some more family dynamic yeah. in the next one. I thought that was a really good ending. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's yeah. pretty good. That was funny. Uh, the 
you know, and we all know at this point that the origin story of Electro is that Jamie Foxx fell into an eel tank. And became Dr. Manhattan. And became Dr. Manhattan <laughs> sure. with eel <Yeah>. powers. <laughs> and dubstep. See, now that's a great example of when a movie goes into B-movie status. <laughs> right. Too comic booky that uh, Jamie Foxx can electrify, use eel powers and dubstep to fight Spider-Man. So uh, every time uh, a movie comes out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, and it's not an Avengers movie, it's just some side story with one character, Yeah, I always wonder how they're going to address what the Avengers are doing while this is happening. Like in Ant-Man, Paul Rudd's like, shouldn't we call the Avengers? <laughs> and he's like, no, they're busy dropping a city out of the sky. I'm yeah. like, okay, I, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't now, like them. Yeah, now sure. you can proceed with whatever it is you're doing. I thought that the way that they wrote this movie in, in connection with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what the other Avengers are doing was great. His relationship with Iron Man and... and um, Happy. Happy, yeah, was... I gotta say the name like it's the dumbest Happy. thing you ever heard. <laughs> I was gonna say John Favreau. Uh, yeah, the, the his his relationship with them and the way that they're like uh, the way that they're like keeping him on a leash in in a way. I thought it was great. But they're like, no, Spider Man's young. We're just gonna keep an eye on him. He can have his training wheels suits and his yeah. and his you know a cell phone number that we won't answer. Yeah, and he's like, just that like was great cruising the streets looking for. Right, cat, cat, and so he's just trying to prove himself for most of the movie, yeah. and then when finally all of these these threads dovetail back toward one another in the end, and Happy just doesn't answer the phone, it's like okay, great, I get it. This is a, a this is great writing, where the Avengers are very much in the picture. We're even seeing a bunch of their crap crashing down on the beach outside of Atlantic City or whatever. Yeah, and. It's all because Happy didn't answer the phone, yeah, or didn't believe him. So now we get to see Spider-Man do some real fighting on a on a large scale. Like this is has serious impact on the cinematic universe, but he gets to do it by himself. He gets yeah. his own movie. Yeah, and I love good writing. I love the the anchoring uh, Spider-Man and Peter Parker as a nobody superhero in the greater Marvel cinematic Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, yeah, he's just some kid out in Queens. Yeah, it was done so effectively that it, it seemed to me completely believable that, well, if there was a teenager who could spin around and was impetuous and young and hadn't honed anything in, well, then perhaps he would be treated this way. There would be some level of monitoring and maybe even uh, long-distance mentorship, but they're not going to go and invite this kid to become an Avenger, Avenger, but he would clearly feel that he was more connected to their world than to his world, mm-hmm. and yet he's stuck in it just like every other high school student where theirs is a world where Captain America gives the infomercials at gym <laughs> Those class. Were great. And, and of course they had to get the PE teacher to say, I think this guy's a war criminal. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that did that address the bigger universe. Well, yeah. like they don't know where some of these guys are still. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they are good at writing subtle lines of dialogue that explain away what our big concerns would be like, what about all that crap that just went down with Civil War? Can we have an acknowledgement of that? And just the PE teacher saying he's a war criminal yeah. is enough. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't feel like it takes you out of the movie with unnecessary exposition just to explain away the things that it feels like that was a worthwhile joke to have in right. the movie, and it makes sense in the context of the end. And I, I loved the joke about how uh, Spider-Man was trying to tell Iron Man 
about how he's ready for the fight. He's like, but I stole Cap's shield, remember? Look, I did so well. <laughs> yeah. He's like, trust me, kid, if Cap yeah. wanted to hurt you, he could have. It's like, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, you know, the fanboy mentality that Peter Parker still has, though he's been uh, immersed in this world at least a little bit, that when his, his friend is asking him all these like incessant questions about what it mean, what his powers mean and the implications, and he's like, in gym class, they're watching the Captain America infomercial, and he says, "Do you ever meet him?" He's like, "Yeah, I grabbed a shield." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah the, see, those are the great seamless high school antics. They yeah. did so well with that. Yeah, and I got to tell you, watching this movie, I was reminded of a couple things. Uh, one, how hard it is to hear teenagers talk. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> they and, did uh, it well. They yeah. did it very accurately. No offense at all to our teenage listeners. We'd love to hear you talk. <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, the fact that this movie seemed to, to my old ears, depict that faithfully. It didn't feel like a put on like old actors pretending to be teenagers in high school. It felt like they were believable yeah, high genuine. school students. Yeah, sincere. Yeah. Which is a hard thing to do in a depict a high movie. schoolers well. Yeah, because it always feels like studio executives telling high schoolers, "Now say this." Yeah, you know? remember yeah, that. Well, we know board. that's what happened in previous Spider-Man. Exactly, because yeah. if you remember that ha- uh, that leaked letter that a Sony executive sent to the producer of the Amazing Spider-Man that had like several bullets of things he wanted to be included in the Amazing Spider-Man for quote unquote millennials. Yeah, and there were things like that he wanted the color run to be represented <laughs> and he wanted uh, Spider-Man to say at least three times NBD because millennials say that. Yeah. And there was, there was a mention of dubstep, right? Yeah. And dubstep. And you, you've never in your <laughs> life read a more out of touch, sad, depressing, like a glimpse into the movie industry than this email. I encourage everyone to Google. The yeah. Thanks and North Korea for providing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, Oh my God, this is who's <laughs> making our giant franchise adaptations. Is this? Oh Lord. This didn't feel like that to me. I'm sure maybe some emails like that were passed around, but it, it didn't feel as painfully forced and contrived as it could have. No. And every time I watch a Marvel film, I think about how does this fit in? How do we excuse the rest of the Avengers? But how can we find uh, the antagonist to actually be believable, plausible? Like, yeah. Like a, actually an interesting, have, have interesting motives for, for doing no good. Yeah, for, right? being, for being a bad guy. And if I can say, just come out with it, I think the Vulture was one of the best uh, bad guys yet in the Avengers I agree. universe. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, and a lot of it was because Michael Keaton is just so great. Right. I thought it was mostly the the bomber jacket. It was good jacket. He looked good yeah. in that. He really pulled it jacket. off. He really and the giant wings. But yeah. his his motives were were great. That it all seemed very realistic. Yeah, and, it's yeah. like the working class just angry at the man for making a mess and then hiring themselves to clean it up. Yeah. Of course he's going to be bitter and angry and he's going to take this technology for his own benefit. I thought it was great. And once again, way to tether that into the Marvel cinematic universe in a way that like made a lot of sense without having to develop all these new, like bad guy mythologies. It just made a ton of sense. He has access to the stuff we've already seen. We know how that works. Yeah, it was yeah, and it was really great because they kept teasing it like, "Oh, we got this one big job we could do," and he's like, "We're not doing that." And then they were talking about robbing the freaking Avengers of their weapons. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, that's a big job." That was good. Yeah. That was a smart buildup. And by the time it got there, like, "Oh, that makes sense." We obviously understood that they were alluding to something we would 
find out about it in yeah. the third act or yeah. something. Although I have to say, I really wish they could have. I'm conflicted. I loved Michael Keaton, but why in the world did they have to cast Birdman to play this guy? Yeah, <laughs> it's like didn't we just see him do this in it's, some other bizarre Broadway film? Maybe that's why they fiction picked, becoming yeah. fact fiction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he was man. The Michael Keaton's performance was great. Michael Keaton himself is just a great actor, uh, and it felt like the this villain. Uh, had so much going for him in terms of like Tyler was saying the believability understanding his motivation and not that like a properly motivated character is the end all be all but it like you we even had like a level of connection to him in his villainousness that you're like yeah well yeah in fact the movie begins by setting us up on his side he seems like he's been mistreated um we they set us up for a long uh what's the, the misdirection that yeah. pays off in a twist that I didn't see coming when he yeah, turns either. out to be the yeah. father of that was Peter's a good girlfriend. Twist. Yeah, it was good. And I think that it's believable because his motives are clear and he becomes a kind of essentially a small time weapons manufacturer. Yeah. And so maybe he's on the radar of the Avengers, but it's, it's understandable. Maybe he's not because he's selling weapons out of yeah. the back of a van. He's like a black market, arm, black market arms right. dealer. So it, it makes sense that he would cross paths with Spider-Man who's rather up. than the big, right. big dogs. Yeah. yeah. Cause he's in, he's in their, he's in their neighborhood. Spider-Man's in their neighborhood. But, um, I, I have to say that for a little while, the movie felt like it dr- was dragging. Like there was a period there in the middle where I just, it felt like it was losing momentum. And if it weren't for that twist, where Spider-Man stumbles across these these arms dealers and then opens the door to his prom date's home and he finds Vulture standing there. If it wasn't for that great moment, yeah. I feel like the movie wouldn't have... It wouldn't have delivered on what right, felt like I agree. was dragging for a the while. The twist was crazy and then in the house it was so uncomfortable and then they had that great scene in the car where they were talking to each other. The car scene that made the movie yeah. great. It's, yeah. It upped the stakes in one like really elegant bit of writing yeah to where now it's not just about because uh, we could have gotten by with spider-man just fighting the vulture and it had been about him proving himself to tony and you know and stopping this guy who was in his neighborhood all that stuff and that could have worked just fine but the stakes were raised so uh effectively by that moment and that scene where now everything's connected in a way that's so complicated yeah, and so complicated personally for Peter and for the Vulture, uh, in a way that you know, like he even graciously gives Peter an out. That it seems to be at this point we don't have a reason to. He's not like a hyper sinister villain. No, he has some he's a family, family man. man. Yeah, he's yeah, a family Whoa. man who's okay. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, we get. It. We're there. But uh, he's like, look, you saved my daughter's life at the incident in D.C. So I'll let you, you know, off with saying this. So we know he's like Which capable is kind of, of violence. Peter's fault, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because well, the whole they didn't thing escalated. He had a bomb. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing escalated to where it is because of Peter. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is that there's there are a lot of movies who try and thread these these subtle storylines into uh, a crescendo at the end of a film, but 
a lot of times movies will you'll you'll be dragged along on these storylines and you'll you'll find yourself in a place about halfway through the movie where you think where are we going with this like can we can we get to it already like what is happening where you find yourself in that moment questioning is this is this going to be worth it in the end and i got there with spider-man and yeah. when they finally brought it all together i thought okay this was good thank you I had to do the work. I had to do the work, but I'm glad that I did. I was wondering why he was doing a slow clap in the theater in the middle of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just, just, just keep opening the we door. Got we got there. Yeah, so it's like it, it's it's one of those movies where you have to do a little work to get there. Pay attention, stick with it because it will actually be worth it. The and payoff it, for that car ride with Keaton was yeah. worth all of that time. If you remember, there was a really tiny breadcrumb in the opening shot and scene of the movie where Michael Keaton's character, that we keep calling the Vulture because I don't remember his real name, but uh, <laughs> where he's, uh, it opens with him standing with another you know, blue-collar worker and they're looking at this kid drawing of the Avengers. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, what do you think? The kid's going to have a future and we're meant to like understand that this must be important for some reason. And then we never hear anything else about his kid or what kid that was. So it must've been his daughter that drew that. Yeah. So his daughter, uh, it was like a breadcrumb leading us to the fact that his kid, whoever it is, is going to be significant in the movie. In fact, at one point I was like really, really early on before the movie like made that impossible thinking like, is Peter his kid? Like, is this, is that's how weird we're getting with it? Because I thought that has to matter that we opened with that scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was so fast and so like integrated into the world that like, Oh, it's reminding us that we're in the Marvel universe now that I was like, maybe that was just that. Uh, yeah. It could have been that they had a few nods to that. Like the guy on the ferry who kept shouting, yeah, Spider-Man or yeah, Iron Man when he, yeah. Tried to web it back together. Yeah. Like, and they've got like merchandise. And yeah. So people are aware of these figures, these public figures. Maybe it's just a, they're trying to do both at once. Like, yeah. Oh, this is the world of the Avengers. He's a family man. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't feel like, wow, that has to be something. It was real subtle. Like it felt like that could have been for no reason at all, other than to remind us where we're at and that he's a family man. Then by the time you get to the significance of his familial connection, you're like, oh, that was cool. Like, we actually started the movie with a reference to his kid, which ends up being the twist of the movie. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah, and I think Homecoming succeeded in a way that I didn't expect to, because I agree with Tyler. It kind of felt like it slowed down a little bit. And a lot of that is because uh, it doesn't matter that he's the best, our favorite Spider-Man, and he's got a cool suit and all. We've seen awesome spider-man scenes and swinging through the city and all this free-falling stuff we've seen it so many times that's not exciting anymore so they had to do completely different <laughs> twists on it so he's like out he's in the burbs and there's nothing to yeah swing there's from. nothing to swing on it and they like <laughs> they dodged those elements to give us new things to see and i thought that was really clever because yeah. they couldn't just have him saving people falling off of buildings we've seen that way too much which would be the easy thing to do in this movie yeah i thought it was pretty ballsy to have him have do accomplish the final fight in the crappy outfit yeah, thought that was great. They yeah. gave they gave Spider Man his Spider Man story. Yeah, he w it didn't have anything to do with Iron Man there at the end. He was just being himself, and the, we needed to see him go through that moment. He had what he made, and he had been taken yeah. back down to square one. Yeah, it was it was it was Spider Man being Spider Man and having to prove to himself that he can be Spider Man on his own. Yeah, yeah, which was good. All those Again, blocks, yeah, good good writing. And I thought the uh, the 
plot, uh, the significance in the plot of the suit itself was a new development because if Tony Stark made the suit, then that's going to have obviously drastic implications about what the suit can and can't do and what that means. I mean, before it actually makes no sense in the Sam Raimi movies that Peter Parker draws on a notebook, uh, a suit, a Spider-Man suit, and then it cuts to him in it. And you're like, how did he get that? <laughs> right. He no, made he, that. He, he had a, a couple iterations, didn't he? Like yeah. the first one he fought in with the in the wrestling ring. Yeah. Where you're going nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't very. He good spray one. painted it, and yeah. then all of a sudden he had it. He just had. He had to get better at um, stitching and. I guess. Sewing. And the same yes. thing with Amazing making. Spider-Man. Then he somehow he makes, I guess, a suit that. You know, must have cost a million dollars for Sony to make yeah. or something. That so, yeah, what you're saying is the, the the Tony Stark made suit in this film. It's more plausible that it would be high quality. Yeah, and it's funny the way the move, the franchises have tried to work out some of the con- Spider-Man concepts so far. Because Sam Raimi was like, it makes no sense that a teenager could make web shooters. I'm just going to make it organic. So, it, like, just uh, part of his powers is that webs yeah. shoot out of his actual wrists. And then by the time we got to the Mark Webb Spider-Man, it's like, well, we've seen that before. Let's make web shooters. And we had all these sequences of him trying to design them. But it's like his father's patent or something. Yeah. And then by the time we get here, once again, we're sidestepping all these developmental origin things and just saying, yeah, he has them. He made them. He yeah, made them in high school kid. chemistry class. Yeah. And he's working on it when no one's and looking. He's hiding them under, class, under yeah. the whole bank of lockers. That's yeah. Whole. So those are his, but the suit is Tony's and the, and what the suit can do is like outrageous. In fact, he learns that it can do more than he thought it could. And that we get some great gags out of the intimidation yeah. mode and the, should yeah, I turn on great. shoot to kill? And he's but like, no, <laughs> a lot of these plot points were dependent on these high schoolers being very intelligent. Yeah. Like this, this friend of his, this friend of his, they just explain it away by saying, oh, they're mathletes. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so this friend of his is like, yeah, I'll hack into a Stark Industries suit and re- remove this block that'll allow you Kids access these to days, all the man. features. Kids these days yeah, are doing yeah. some serious and stuff. And then what about these other mathletes? Like, why did, why did this other mathlete think he was so cool and be why was he the dj yeah. at this party they tried to build he in the, the bully <laughs> he's the bully this mathlete bully yeah. that's not as smart as yeah, him he wasn't that wasn't believable and that's a canon character from the comics that's supposed to be like the you know aryan nation f- quarterback football player that that antagonizes peter but no it, it was now he's that. just some kid in a he's in, a the, in the mathletes it's like yeah. why, why I, I shouldn't they be on equal playing ground? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling that. Some of those rewrites were dumb. I don't mean I don't care anything about Flash being. You know, it should have been like in the comics. I was just like, what? He's a bully. And then they. I was frankly very confused by the the young lady at the end saying that her initials were MJ, as though that was supposed to have this profound significance. I'm like, but her name was Michelle. Yeah, and I was like, okay, well that isn't clearly she's not Mary Jane Watson because her name is Michelle. Right. So what are they trying to tell us? Are they trying to tell us now? I've read afterward that it apparently nothing. They just thought it was funny that like Kevin yeah. Feige was like, oh, we just thought it was neat and we'd have her say her initials. I was like, no way, he's backpedaling. Yeah, that. Kevin Feige, you can't do that. Right. You have to like stick to it and not because i need her to have red hair or what i was just like what? so it's mary jane is no longer mary are you trying to say that yeah this character is replacing the 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 spot that mary jane watson had are you trying to i just made no sense to right. me and, and that's like, fine if that's what they're doing i just want to but they played it in the movie like we were supposed to go whoa 
good, right? MJ, this whole time? <laughs> like, you were huh? the twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was a weird. stupid move. And I thought the suit was really cool. I thought it was it makes sense. Somebody asked me, I thought it was, it was dumb he had like such a super suit. I was like, it makes sense if he was like Tony Stark's little protege, yeah. he would have an awesome suit. Yeah, and his his homemade suit was sweats. Yeah. The problem with the suit is I'm just thinking, why hasn't Iron Man made suits for like Hawkeye and and Black Widow at this point because they could really benefit when they're fighting <laughs> aliens with the bow and arrow at this point, you know? If everyone's got like an AI in their head and helping them target I know, because at well, this point, like Ant-Man is just a doofus in a suit. I mean, he's like smart, but he's not a superhero. He's just got an awesome suit. And there are so many characters like that. Like he just needs to make more, put these guys in Iron Man suits and then anybody can be an Avenger. Yeah. That's, that's point well made, I guess. Yeah. Come on, Tony. You got we're, some homework. We're living in a world eight years after the new the first avengers movie yeah because now they're making weapons with the alien technology and so it's extremely advanced and so yeah it seems like they're just making anybody can be a superhero at this point it's just if you have the right equipment to do it right which is i'm sure maybe they'll wrestle with in a different movie those logical gripes aside i liked that they turned the suit into one of peter's like great existential dilemmas where as before we had to draw so much on the uncle Ben stuff or the Gwen Stacy stuff. And now it's like, it really came down to Peter's own insecurities and the fact that Tony had made him a suit that he felt inadequate without. And you have that great moment after, you know, where Peter's confronted by Tony in this like kind of tough love father son dynamic that they have going on. Uh And he, and he delivers that great line about like, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Um, and Peter's like stripped of everything, and then he's having to slowly build himself back up as like a character right. that he believes in, with or without the suit. And you're just suddenly going like, the suit has never really mattered all that much in Spider-Man mythology, but now it's a huge crux point for the like the yeah. premise of the movie. Yeah. Do you think they did that because it's it was essentially the same struggle that Iron, Iron Man had? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the same, and I think that's cool because Tony can see that you know yeah. and try to help him and he's so ill-equipped to be a father figure and he knows that so it's, it's a really cool relationship they have there yeah what do you guys think about that ending where he was almost announced as an avenger and then left i thought that was great <laughs> and then we got to see pepper come back yes what in the world <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing coming back for yeah, two minutes and she's like, oh, shampoo commercials aren't cutting it or whatever she's doing <laughs> let me come be an avengers movie again uh, yeah we're supposed to applaud and then uh, John Favreau was like yeah I've had this ring in my pocket since 2008 yeah, yeah we get it that's yeah. when Iron Man was made <laughs> yeah yeah, that was pretty funny but then they were like yeah it's a, it's a test and they walk away he's like is he coming the everybody's waiting on him it's like oh man so what then what's the uh, it sounds like we all agree the movie was great and yeah, the best great. iteration of Spider-Man so far it makes right. sense for him now that this is the first unprecedented like Sony has it, but they're sharing it, and they're going to make their own movies that aren't in the Marvel universe, but are somehow connected to the Spider-Man universe. Same character. Yeah, like, what? What do you think? How how long can they keep that up? No, and what's the deal? What's the contract right now? I think audiences are going to be confused. Well, they haven't contracted for the two or the Infinity Wars whatever the next Avengers and then another Spider-Man movie, right? Marvel gets to make another Spider-Man movie? Well, yeah, Marvel Marvel said he will return. Yeah, so there's two Avengers movies and Homecoming 2, whatever that is. That's what he's contracted for. It'll be Spider-Man, Prom, 
Spider Man Brom. They got Tom Hardy. Because he was the home Yeah, I got it. I got it. I don't know if that. I just think those Sony ones will keep it out. They got Tom Hardy to be Venom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It if just, that happens. Right. It seems like. What, a, what? But is that. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Tom Hardy, is he Sony or is he Marvel Cinema? Sony. Sony. Oh, well. They're going to make a yeah. Sony Venom movie that is connected to the, the Homecoming, but not connecting to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. See, that's going to be weird because people are. are if you're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're always going to be wondering where's the Avengers, but they can't even use their names in the Sony one. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like when they brought in those X-Men, but they can only call them advanced or they couldn't use yeah, the miracles or whatever. <laughs> the enhanced. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. So, <laughs> but what weird, if they, guys, Tyler's getting upset. <laughs> it's going to be weird. He's just going to have to be it's going to have to be so grounded in such a, a small heist movie that can't get too big. Because then it would make no sense. Right. It has to say so small. Which, if they did it really well, it, it could be cool. But Sony does not have a great track. Yeah, no, I, just, don't, I don't trust Sony. It seems to me like Dubstep. these doofuses MBD. at Sony, the higher ups, are going to be like, "Well, we can make our own movies, and we don't need to connect them to anything." And audiences everywhere are going to be like, "Hey, we don't really, we're not going to really nah. pay a ton for that." No, nah, don't do that. And then they're going to do it anyway. And Marvel's at least got good enough sense to say like look we'll do this as long as it makes sense for us but if you're going to go bananas we're not going with you yeah and so that's going to end that you know what i mean yeah then how they're going to write out that character though is he going to die i'm sure that i'd like to think that they're smart enough to build in a fail safe for okay so what do we do worst case scenario we no longer have access to spider-man after these four movies they have to have at least an idea floating around out there right I guess. I wonder, like, how deep the the thing is, because there's a there's another Spider-Man, the Miles Morales. You guys know about him. Yeah, and there was that really brief with Donald Glover. Of, yeah. Yeah. So. In there. Right, because the that was that was another weird thread. Is Donald Glover was in there. Right. And there was supposed to be an acknowledgement to some other character that Donald Glover is related to, the cousin. Yeah. My nephew is nephew. Yeah. His nephew is is Miles, who is another Spider-Man uh-huh. in the comic book. Which was an obvious thing because Donald Glover has uh, wanted to play that. He wanted to be Miles in the Sony version of it. Okay. Notoriously. And then it didn't work out. So now he gets to be the uncle, I guess. I don't know. But it just, can they do that? Because at the end of the day, if it's Miles Morales and he puts on a Spider-Man, he's still Spider-Man. They can't be Spider-Man. Was it just like a nod to just say, oh, that's neat? Because they put a lot of work into it, you know? Yeah. If if we're being real here, the the whole comic universe, like yeah. the actual comic universe for Spider Man, is is really weird and complex. It is. There's too many Spider Men. There's a lot. <laughs> There's like a punk rock Spider Man. Yeah. There's multiple at the same time there's there's different universes that these Spider Men exist yeah. in. Right now Gwen Stacy is Spider Gwen. Yeah, and see, it gets see, it gets weird. <laughs> whole, it gets real weird. Yeah, and I, you know, like I like these movies. I don't care if they do, if they stick to the source material or, or not because they've proven that if they don't stick to it, it's still really good. So they can do whatever they want. It's just interesting what they'll have the ability to do mm. in a few years. Yeah, they're just gonna have to keep getting more obscure and yeah. hoping it pays off. They did. They got obscure with Guardians of the Galaxy, and it worked. Yeah. So it, it, that shows us they just keep pulling out weird characters and if yeah, the movie's good, we'll love it. Who in the world is going, this is not like the Guardians comic because no one gives a crap. Right. Do you think that uh, they would ever find a way to get Spider-Man and Deadpool together because they're supposed to be friends? 
That would be awesome. Then you'd have to have not even Marvel's no longer involved with Sony and Fox. They're supposed to collaborate. Yeah, Sony has, Fox. And has, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't uh, Ryan Reynolds or Tom one of those guys were saying that they would sure love to possibly? Can I know they're just actors talking, but didn't they yeah. actually bring that up recently that they wanted to see Spider-Man and Deadpool connect in the movies in some way? Yeah, you have to say that out loud to see because they're just Ryan hoping Reynolds that knows that if you say it and get enough traction, <laughs> it'll happen. <laughs> it says if you if you get enough traction and leak some footage, yeah, it's like it'll. You'll make like the best R-rated movie in the box. Yeah, now history. everyone wants to be in Deadpool's movie. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what it is. They'll be like, "Dang, Deadpool is just the best." How do we? How do we make this happen? Sony was willing to do it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So maybe there's executives out there trying to shake hands with someone and get Deadpool involved. I don't, I don't know, know why they don't go for it sooner. I mean, I know in in their offices they must be like. But if we make our own movie, we get to keep everything. But get, like get Deadpool's people on the phone. Let's let's have <laughs> yeah. a conversation. You can't. You know Deadpool's those conversations have Ryan to stop Reynolds. so fast because they say, "Okay, Ryan Reynolds can't say any of these words," yeah. which was ninety percent of his you know dialogue in the movie, and there can't be grotesque violence in it. It Ryan has to be Reynolds PG thirteen. Hangs up the phone. He's like, "No, no deal." Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll just have to reference it. He'll, he'll just say, "We couldn't get Tom Holland for Deadpool 2. Yeah. Well, listen, we're out of time. Did you get the soundbite from Bethany? Or yeah, not? I did. Here's what Bethany says about Spider-Man. She texts it in. Quote. Can you try to say it like Bethany? before? I thought Spider-Man was really good, y'all. <laughs> and lots of fun. Lots of thumbs up. And there's lots of thumbs up emojis. Despite the fact that I sat next to a guy who talked himself, talked to himself frequently throughout the movie, I still managed to laugh at everything Tony Stark said. Oh, she actually gosh. loves Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He was so funny as per usual. And then heart-eyed emojis and lots of hearts. Uh, overall, I like the new little Spider-Man. I think he's <laughs> way better than Tony McGuire. Tony McGuire? <laughs> yeah. He's the worst of all time. And this couldn't handle him. And then uh, eye roll emoji. Quotations, <laughs> even a little bit. Uh, then she concludes her blur by saying, I'm excited to see the Spider-Baby. <laughs> Spider Baby Man Child and more movies. He's a high schooler. <laughs> Where, there it is. Yep. Good night. <laughs>